Smartcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. According to JB, uh, apparently we're in trouble because I'm back and I wanted to do the intro tonight. And uh, all of a sudden things are, are wrong. JB, why are we in trouble that I wanted to do the intro? What's up with that? This is bad. I mean, you never want to do the intro. Are you feeling okay? Yeah, I feel great. You know what? I missed last week. It sucked, but I'm back. Here I am. Couldn't be better. And John, how are you, sir? Well, I'm doing great. I mean, the heater up one nothing their series. A couple points behind the Hawks tonight. That's all right. And JB has a Dolphins jersey on, so it's an all Miami night. I'm very happy about that. Thank you, JB, for encouraging the any, Heat to hold win. Hold on, I don't, I don't have any Miami stuff. What's that? What, yeah, what but just, at least just, two out of three here are rooting for Miami so, teams. I don't so, think JB's rooting for Miami. He has a jersey on, so I just assume he is. Or he's got a betting, like some sort of bet set up for week one in the Dolphins play. It's a Dolphins jersey. He wore it because it's 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 show night, and he thought it would look good. Am I wrong? It's always jerseys are good. See, That's not the especially that one, the throwback. Anyway, we got a lot to go over tonight. We got a long show, a lot to go over. There's a lot happening in sports. It'll right, never well. be long. It'll be the same amount of time. It's a TV. <laughs> John, what do you got? Come on, what do you 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 tease us like that? What is it? Oh, I didn't Spit say it out. Teasing, but I mean that NBA playoffs are happening, and uh, I mean playoffs. right now, what playoffs? what playoffs? I just want to win a game. I mean the Timberwolves are up one nothing on the on the Grizzlies, which it's just surprising to me. But I'm uh, I'm rooting for the Timberwolves. A lot of the other series don't really. Feel like they're going to go five games. I said this last night on the sports arena. Feel like a lot of these series are going to be sweeps or gentlemen sweeps, if you will. Um, a lot of these series aren't great, I think. But there's going to be a few like Brooklyn. Brooklyn series is going to go seven. That's going to be really good. Really good. Yeah, series. that was an ugly ending the other day. If you're the Nets, you can't blow that game. You can't allow a last second layup. Nets are going to be the Nets. Nets are going to Nets as. as Jake would say. So, John, you, you said some of these series are blowouts. I mean, I, I do agree on some of them, but what about uh, I don't know, Mavs and Jazz? You don't like that uh, series? Gosh, I mean, that's like the most boring series out of all eight of these series. No Luca. Like, there's not really a whole lot for me to get excited about in that series. And whoever wins plays the Suns because the Suns are going to beat the Pelicans, and they're just fodder for the Suns. I mean, that's really what they are. You don't. I think the Suns Pelicans is more boring. I gotta be honest with you. That's yeah. I mean, I mean that's that's, that's not, pretty bad, John. The first round of the NBA playoffs, first of all, it takes too long. And second of all, you think it should just be five? Best no, I don't five. mind the seven. I think that they need to speed it up. The, the NBA how? tries to extend it. Yeah, but how are you gonna speed it up then? I know what he's so, saying. More games in less games. days. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, they, they do like this. Yeah, it's like, oh, we play a game one and game two every other night, and then game three, it's like, hey, you get two days off. It's like, hockey yeah, doesn't they, do that. They try to showcase everybody on the networks if you make the playoffs, which I get, yeah. because it's the playoffs. You want to make as much money as you can. I get it. Yeah. But it makes the first round take a lot longer than it should, especially with some of these series that just aren't that good to begin with. Yeah. Fair. And, and like I said, hockey is just basically, I mean, you're playing almost every other night, essentially, yeah. for your series. Well, unless your arena has something going on, you're playing, you know, yeah. and that was booked months in advance, so there's no way for them to do anything about it. I feel, and, and there's, I mean, just because you have a travel day doesn't mean you need two days off. Like, it, I feel like that just kills the momentum, and I feel like it takes away from the series when it's like, man, that was a great game one and two. Oh, now we got to wait two days. Yeah. yeah, it's like, like I said, whereas hockey, it's 
you get game one, game two, and then game three is happening, you know, two days later, like one game in one day in between. And I love that because it, it feels like there's no really, there's really no break, which is great because you keep that momentum of the series just to speak on JB's, fair. you know, but. No, that's fair. I don't disagree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I am looking at this series. I gotta be honest. Most of these are, are kind of boring. I mean, I mean, I mean, what series are going to be good? All right. Nets Celtics. That's going to be a fantastic series. I think Timberwolves Grizzlies has potential, but I think so, so far, so far it's been okay. I mean, you know, it's been the one game, but you know, it was, it wasn't, wasn't bad. But Timberwolves just... shocked them. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't know if that's going to be a fluke or if it's going to be legit. I don't know yet. We'll find out. It's just, it's been one game. Raptors Sixers has been just beyond boring. I mean, I, I'm all for the Raptors losing or the Sixers. You know, I don't care, but I don't need to watch a team just beat up on the other one. It's no fun. Hawks uh, Heat looks like it could be good and based on the second game, but again, it's only the second game. It's kind of hard to tell so for a this early, but it's hard to tell with the second game. And Warriors Nuggets, I figured the Nuggets would come out and put up a fight, and the Warriors have just again beat up on them. And again. I'm all for it, it's the just it's a great, bad fun, draw. But, it's a bad draw for the yeah. Nuggets, a team that has title aspirations, as I said last oh, night. Yeah. And you run into the Golden State Warriors around one. This is like hitting, you know, hitting a buzzsaw around one. Like you don't want to play a team like that. You want to play like a Pelicans type team. You know what I mean? If you have title aspirations, you got to be able to beat people. And right, right. But, but you don't typically want to run into the best teams. No, like, because no, you no. might not, you might, you know what I mean? I, like, I think what John is saying, when you look at the rest of the teams, I, I sometimes around one, you're a little rusty. Then you got to put yourself in a better position. But let, let's bring on the guy that knows a lot about basketball. Why don't we do that? Sure. Because sure. You know, we talk about good basketball, idea. but I, I know a guy that had to check the schedule before he could even come on our show tonight. How's it going, Scoop? It's good. How y'all doing? Can y'all hear me? We hear you. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Sorry about that. I, I got Chrome issues, so I apologize. That's cool. Okay. I grew up I grew up watching you like on ESPN and stuff. So this is this is like really cool to, to be speaking to you. I'm just saying, like, it's really cool. That's love, man. It's love. It's love. I love it. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, man. So what are you looking for in the first round of the playoffs right now, Scoop? What what's your big story? Well, you know what? It's not really one big – well, it is one big story, but it's not one, one big story connected to one team. I'm trying to really get a feel for what I think may be consistent for every team throughout the playoffs because the one thing that I don't think we got access to during the regular season is some real gauge on what we can expect from every team going into the playoffs. Um, besides, you know, between COVID injuries, you know, trade, whatever we, we, I don't think we ever got a real feel for what every team in here was capable of really doing either once put together or dealing with, you know, being accustomed to the injuries that they had to deal with. So, um, I'm trying to feel out the playoffs, like, okay, what did, who, who are these teams really, you know, what I, cause I still can't put a finger on who Miami really is as a team you know I, th- I think we got a feel for phoenix because we saw them last year we saw them go through it they haven't had any major major injuries to throw them off course you know i still don't know who memphis is you know they play you know is is john Morant as great as he is that important to their success because they play just as well with him on the court and without him on the court uh- I can touch on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, really, yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. I can go through every team. You know, we yeah. still don't know what Philly's like. We have no idea what Brooklyn's like. You know, uh, we were kind of getting a feel for maybe what Milwaukee is, but we're basing that on what they did last year, right? Uh, and and last then, year, and last year they had a lot of uh, when you win a championship, you got to have everything bounce your way. And they had everything bounce their way when it came to injuries. Every step of the way, there was a, a star injured whenever they played a team round after round after round. So they just happened to have every chip fall just how they needed it to fall. Yeah, and take it away from their title. But but yeah. what, what are we expecting out of Robin Lopez? Seriously. That's what I'm saying. What are we really expecting out of Robin? We haven't seen him all season. He gets thrown in right now. Like, it's fine. It's cute right now because, you know, 
I don't think like in the series against Chicago, Vucevic is going to be a real problem with him. But as going along, I mean, as going on, all right, everybody, you know, you came out the driveway and everybody's doing 60. And you're Rob, when are you going to catch up with everybody? When are we going to see that? And is it going to be necessary to see him? So those little things, I hear what you're saying, but even in Milwaukee, you're seeing something that we really don't know. We, we have no idea. And I think we can put that just about on every team going through it. So to answer your question, that's what I'm looking for. I'm trying to see if we can look at this first round and really get a gauge on what we're going to see for teams throughout the rest of the playoffs because the regular season was not, you know, the sample that we're going to be able to use. Now, if you're the Nets after the game one loss and you have, you know, Ben Simmons, who's finally cleared to practice, you know, with um, physically in practice, what do you do to make the Nets better at the end of the year? Because they, they invested all this money in Durant. They went and got Kyrie. They had Harden, who they traded to get Simmons, and they were hoping that that would work out and Simmons would end up playing. What do you do in that situation if you're the Nets? Nothing. I think I, I think from a basketball standpoint from, from, and from a business standpoint, you understand what you were getting when you got him. And, and we have a tendency to look at trades unilaterally. And I think the Sixers are like, okay, there's no guarantee that he's going to play this season. You know, it'd be nice if he did. But we traded it. We, we traded for him as much to get him as much as we did to get rid of James Harden. But in return... We still got Seth Curry. We still got somebody to take care of some of our center problem and Andre Drummond. They're on the court right now. We can deal with our draft picks and what we got as far as leverage on that later on. But right now, Ben Simmons, especially like, you know, once he came in and they had a month to deal with his health, both physical and mental, I don't, to me, I, I think, at least from the player standpoint, I know they washed him of that. From an organizational standpoint, you don't look at the money that you're paying him. You look at the fact that, all right, at least we got two players right now that are on the court in response for James Harden. And we got a third possibly later on. But the one thing you don't want to do is throw Ben Simmons in a situation that could harm him for years dealing with what you have to deal with with his contract situation now that you have control of his contract. Because and I don't want to use this as a bad analogy, but the last time we saw Ben Simmons was in the playoffs. It was not a good look for him, physically or mentally, because we know what the mental effects of that playoffs have had on him. So you would be damn stupid to throw him back in that same situation without anything in between and expect to get something out of that and not expect for there to be some other traumatic situation that falls back on that going into the offseason. Because the one thing you don't want to do is have a reoccurrence. And I was about to say, that I was about, without the analogy I was about to use is like taking somebody who's had a drug problem, getting them through some type of rehab, but before they completed rehab, putting them back in the same neighborhood they just came from. Putting them back in the same situation they just came from. Like no halfway house, no job, whatever they whatever they were dealing with when they when they when they like hit the rock bottom, they got them into rehab. You're like, all right, you're you're a couple of months done with rehab, but you seem to be doing well. So we're about to cut this short and send you right back to where you were. And you're expecting him to change or her to change. That's exactly the same scenario. I look at Ben Simmons. We see we've seen this same situation with a lot of players. We saw it with Kawhi with the Spurs, where they didn't no, handle no, it right. And, no, well, no. I meant I meant where with an injury. Yeah, when, but that, when it, the injury is different because you know no, you're but I'm just psychologically saying, something Ben's going through. I'm just saying if a team does like we've seen it where guys if they're not 100 ready, and the team pushes them to come back, it pushes them away. We saw it with Kawhi. We're seeing it with Zion. He's he right, says no. he's not ready. Pelicans say he's he should be at you know what I mean like they're saying different things and if you don't right, handle John, these guys a, I know but there's right, a whole there's a different aspect away. here that's not that's Ben Simmons situation is so unique to theirs because you're just dealing with physical injuries physical situation especially with them with Zion and with Kawhi especially with Kawhi look at what they were doing on the court when you saw them before they left now compare that to what Ben Simmons did on the court when he left. 
You know what I'm saying? You talking? Yeah, yeah. yeah name, I know name me one player. Name me one player that you know in your lifetime that has taken a fall from a status standpoint as quick as Ben Simmons has. <laughs> he fell. He fell from point. grace. But he, I mean, he, he, he partially did that to himself, seven, right? So yeah. you, that not only his performance, but that's messed with his head. Kawhi didn't have to go through that. Zion didn't have to go through that. You know, Ben Simmons is a very unique, different situation. So <laughs> I, I, I hear what you're saying, but it's not, it's yeah. not the same at all. It's totally not the same. I'm just saying, like, you got to make sure you take care of these guys and. Some of these guys, it's it's a delicate situation, and you want to make sure. It's it's hard for as a GM and a coach to make sure you manage it right, so you don't push these guys away because a, a lot of them they have the power now. It's different than the '90s when we watched basketball. Now these guys have a lot of say. They force their way, you know, with trades and things like that. So you have to. It's a delicate situation whenever you have guys that are trying to force their way out, or they say they might want to be traded, or they say they're not quite healthy and. You want him to come back like it's a little bit different than when we watched basketball whenever we were growing up. Like it's a little bit different with that. At least that's I mean, how I see it. The playing field, the playing field has been leveled to some degree, you know. And yeah, and, and I think part of that is on ownership and how they treated players in the past. Yes, you sir. know, there's only so long over the course of generations that people are going to decide to continue to get treated like that. And yeah. we're seeing that in all walks of life. You know, it's not just professional sports. You're seeing right now, just in our everyday you know, societal situation where people are refusing to go back to work. Yep. You know, they'd rather not yeah. work than to go back to the situation that they were in because of the way they're being treated. So it, it goes across the board. So we're seeing that change across the board. I'm just saying with Ben Simmons, his situation is extremely, extremely unique, extremely yeah, yeah. unique because, yeah. you know, I'm not going to go on record to say that like some people say he's faking his mental health situation. I'm not going that far at all. I think he is dealing with some mental issues, but I think, the mental issues he's dealing with and struggling with are directly related to how he played the last time he was on the court. That's nothing. I can't remember an NBA player having to deal with that type of fall off, that type of questioning of their game. And then being asked to throw him back in the exact same situation he left from. That's what I'm saying. It has nothing to do with the control, the contract. It's more, it's all of that. Plus it's the fact that you're dealing with the issue of unknowing, you're dealing with the issue of insecurity, you're dealing with an, an, an issue that, you know, basically, uh, uh, you know, lifelong struggles to, am I really as good as I say I am? You know, because let's be, let's, let's be honest. At the end of the day, there's a confidence issue, I think, dealing with Ben Simmons. And when you're dealing with confidence, that can be looked at as a mental issue. So, where you looked at is as, as, as a, a Kawhi and a Zion as an example, there's never been, I don't think they've ever questioned their ability to play on the court. With Ben Simmons going through an entire series that they were expected to win, and in seven games, he what took four shots in the fourth yep. or however many and yep. scored nothing in the fourth quarter of a seven-game series that they lost, and that loss has been directly put on him. By not just his team, but all of us. So now you question your own ability to play the game of basketball. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, that's why I'm thinking this situation I, is very, very. It, it, very we've never, we've play. never really seen this in the NBA. I think that's yeah. yeah, and I think I, it's unfair to even put him in the same situation as everybody else. I, I think I the think, situation you talk about is totally different. The important thing to notice that you that that you pointed out, and I agree is this is pretty much all on him. Like this is he's all in his head. All his inability to his inability to play, it's just it's a mental block. That's all this thing I think it is. I think he got in his own head before all of this started, right? Before during you know, during that series, before we started really getting on his case, right? While the series was going on, got into his head. Something happened in the locker room, something happened on the court or both. He got into his own head and it has just spiraled out of control and continued to get worse. And I I think if you put him in a regular season game, he has a chance to maybe fix something. But I, I, I look at him and wonder if he'll ever be the same player or not. And I I don't I don't know if he will be because we haven't seen him play in so long. Right. It's hard to tell. But when you have this kind of a mental block, it could totally just it could throw his ability to play completely off 
because he'll never be confident enough in himself to go out there and play well. I think two things. I think one, I think this happened a long time ago. I don't think this has happened over the series. I think the, I think the mental block that you're talking about um, masked itself as arrogance early on in his career. Cause let's not act like we have not been talking about Ben Simmons and his, you know, lack of an ability to shoot from the outside last year. This has been a conversation that has been ongoing. It started basically when he was in college. It started I was going to say, so, it started from the beginning. Right, yeah. it started from the beginning, but this is something he refused to work on. You know, you're looking at players that have decided to really work on their game and work on their shooting and, you know, listen to what everybody's been saying about them and incorporate that over the course of the offseason and try to make their game better from John Morant to, to Giannis. You know, we go back to Patrick Ewing, you know, who couldn't shoot at all. And Jason Kidd, we're talking about players who really couldn't shoot, but over the course of their careers, they heard that and they recognized that and they owned it. And they worked on getting better. This is something that Ben Simmons has chosen not to do because of arrogance. Now, what happened was, is, excuse my language, but the shit hit the fan in that series against Atlanta. And while he didn't hear everybody else, now he had that mirror faced him. He ran into that mirror. That man in the mirror, he ran directly into it. And now he has to realize that he can't escape it anymore. The arrogance cannot just push this away anymore. Now he's faced to deal with it. And that's where your mental block came in. It was arrogance at first. Now it's a mental block, which has become a mental challenge. Now, the one thing I do think that can't get him out of this is the people that are around him. And I'm specifically speaking about Kyrie Irving, Steve Nash, but more importantly, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, you know, is a basketball player's basketball player's motivational speaker. All that pettiness that Kevin is on the outside world and everything getting to him, he funnels that into his game, but he also funnels it into his teammates. Okay. He's the one, if you talk to Steph, if you talk to Clay, if you talk to you know, Steve Kerr, and he's the one that's always telling everybody, hey, you're this, you're that, let's go. You're this, you're that, let's go. And he's proving it by himself. Of course. So when you when you hear it from him and you look at him doing it, he always gives his teammates some sense of belief. My thing in knowing that he has an issue and has the leadership qualities on Brooklyn, that that's something that Ben Simmons did not have in Philadelphia. He didn't have it in Brent Brown. He didn't have it in Joel Embiid. You know, you, you see, you see, you know, they didn't do anything for Marshall Falk there in Philly to encourage his confidence to work on a certain thing in his craft. But now with Brooklyn, I think Ben Simmons, especially not playing since he's been there, has been able to build up some type of relationship with these cats. So they're going into next season. There's a comfortability and faith that he has in everything they're going to tell him. Because depending on what happens with them, everything that they tell him in the offseason is going to lead into him feeling more important going into next season. Like, hey, the reason we lost, you know, to whoever is because, you know, we needed you there. You get what I'm saying? The difference she's saying, you not being there and we needed you there. And that need is going to funnel over into him feeling important going into next season. So, wow. Katie, hey, I'm working out. Come on, Ben, you working out with me. Kyrie, okay. hey, I'm working out. You working out with me. Let me throw Who's this to you. Yeah, I'm working out. So I think there's a difference, and I think we can see a change in a player because his confidence will be built up from within because of the team he's on. And they'll help him get through that and work through that mental blockage and make him feel a part of something based on his need. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think me, there may be a difference there. Let me throw this to you, though, because you say we lost because we needed you there because, you, you know, you couldn't be on the court. Do you think he maybe takes that because of the person that he is as a negative and actually sees it as a way to feel pressure to be like, Oh no. man, I need to step up. Or do you think he really is just going to take it? Like, yeah, I can, I can be out there. I can help this team. I think over the course of a season that won't happen, but if you're doing it now and throw him into the Fair. playoffs, okay. it could backfire. But over the course of 82 games, you get to work all that out. The need isn't the same. There's not the same urgency of need 
during the regular season over the course of 82 games as he is trying to win 16. So I think if he comes in healthy and gets a full 80, 82 in, that need will build up to to the point that when it comes to the playoffs, he'll be settled. You know what I'm saying? There's no room for backfire. He'll get it. He's so integrated into what they're doing, and he'll he'll have heard it so much that it will be almost second nature to him to understand he won't even think about it anymore. He'll, I think by the time, if he comes in and plays all 82, by the time the playoffs hit, his, he'll be a whole nother player mentally. He won't even be thinking about that. It'll be gone, you know, by that right. time. That's, that, that's, that's what I think. That's interesting. I mean, when you look back at the whole situation, what happened, you know, I almost wonder how much Doc Rivers plays a part in this. You know, had he handled what happened with the media differently? And I've heard stories he didn't hear the question he just answered you know because they they said the reporter had a mask on and doc doc knows how to handle the media so it was just surprising that he didn't protect this player so there had to be more to it maybe it was frustration you know you see that with uh Aaron Rodgers every year after he loses yeah. in the playoffs he's not coming back to Green Bay and I get yeah. to be frustrated you yeah. know yeah but somehow here, Aaron Rodgers think- always comes up always I yeah, swear <laughs> I think though, and we, and we will talk. Let, let's let's be let's get this two hundred. If a coach makes one comment in a press conference, and that destroys everything about you, then there were problems there before the coach even said it. Agreed. My thing is that I'm not. I don't agree or disagree with what Doc said. I mean, I, I try to I try to take in consideration what we're asking them to do in these press situations, you know, after a loss, you know, either on the court or, you know, at the presser afterwards, you know, um, and my wife has, my wife has a good saying about that. When you have an hour to think about something, but I give you two minutes to think about it, the conversation becomes unfair. Yeah. So what we asked them to do is right immediately after they get through playing the game, we asked them questions about the game, you know, and we as reporters have, all right, we've had a whole fourth quarter, a whole half, half a game. Yeah, think about the questions right. we're going to ask. And we're expecting unfair. Same thing with a coach who's dealing with a team that just lost the series, you know, dealing with the player that, you know, kind of had a meltdown. And now all of a sudden we throw him in front of a microphone and expect him to ask a question that we've been sitting on for 30 minutes. So my thing with Doc is that I don't I don't think he threw him under the bus. I think he was giving us an answer, as most coaches do, under, under those circumstances that we need to take that consideration. Now, if that one answer is what really spun him out of control, then he had issues way before that series with Atlanta even started. Because that one comment should not, for one person, shouldn't spiral you out of control. My thing is, yes, that one comment was said, but what did Philadelphia do as an organization to massage that situation? And that's why I don't not blame Doc Rivers or put any blame on him for what what he did or what he said. There's partial responsibility and accountability should be held on him for that, but more is with the organization for not dealing with that afterwards. Because there's an organization like, all right, Doc said that. Now we really know we have to deal with it. We have to deal with Ben Simmons coming off the worst series that he's ever had in his career. To do damage control, right? Right. right. Yeah. So here's the thing. It's using Doc's saying, because Doc really has no control unless he directly goes to Elton Brand and Daryl Mari, you know, and ownership is like, I want him out of there, which he never did. They have control over his situation. So as an organization, when you go to him and say, hey, 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 you're all good. Everything's all good. Now here's what we're going to do. All right. Over the summer, we're going to work. We're going to get you in the lab. We're going to work on your shooting. Hopefully we can have a conversation about that because now I think it's time for us to, you know, for you to listen to us to talk and that we really take this shooting scene because shooting things seriously. And not necessarily from your free throw situation, but also just from your confidence is shooting from 15 and out. That's what we got to work on this summer. And what we're going to do is also take that pressure away from you feeling you have to shoot. And we're going to make Seth Curry 
the number two option on offense. Not Tobias Harris. Now Seth Curry is going to get 25 shots a game. So now you got three people to deal the ball to. So now there's less responsibility on you to do this because, you know, we just got Seth Curry this year. We know what he's able to do. But now we're going to play you at the 6-10 point, and we're going to play him at the 6-3-2. But he's going to be our shooting guard. So now, Ben, don't worry about a damn thing. Don't worry about shooting. We're going to work on it off some, but don't worry about it. Now you got three people to facilitate you all the time. Seth is going to be a, now a high-volume shooter. And now you tell Seth Curry, look, you're coming back, and you're about to get 25 shots a game. You're putting it up. And that should have been what they said. Now, whether they did that or not, totally different thing. But that's the way you massage the situation. You give Seth Curry the responsibility of taking the shots that Ben Simmons won't take. Say, Ben, don't worry about it. Seth's shooting 15 shots a game, not 12 shots. No, no, no. You worried about shooting? Don't worry about it. We're going to give it all to Seth. Seth, we're gonna, there, there, it's impossible for any NBA team to double team three people. It's mathematically impossible. Yep. So somebody's going to be open, right? Your job is to find an open person. It's either going to be Seth getting all those shots, Tobias getting all those shots, or Joel getting all those shots. Don't worry about it. But we still want you to work on your shots in the offseason to build up your confidence. Because while they do fire, you want, we still want your confidence to build up. Don't worry about making them. I'm worried about your confidence. But trust me, coming in next season, you're going to have more outlets than you did this season. That's the way they should have handled it. It was very simple, and they had it all in place. Because you telling a Curry that they can shoot, <laughs> that's what they're born to do. That's yep. all Seth wants. Yep. He didn't even want the green light. Just give me the yellow light, and I'm good. <laughs> and that's all Philly had to do. Like, Seth, you got the yellow light now. The green light is Joel's, the yellow light, and you and Tobias. And we're but good. said they matched pettiness with pettiness, and it just – Things just yeah, got that's a Philly. That's that's not surprising. I don't, I don't put that on the coach. I think Philly. That was no, I meant the organization. Win. The organization matched, ben, you know, Ben Simmons' pettiness with their own pettiness, and it just got ugly. Again, yeah, not surprised. Shouldn't have got that way. No, it's Philly. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not sorry for saying it either. Good point. Good point. Good point. Good point. So I got two questions before we let you go, Scoop. Zion mm-hmm. Williams, is he going to be able to stay healthy and play in the NBA? Once again, um, it's, it's it's going back. It's going back to the word massage. <laughs> I think that's a great word. I think everything changed with them over the course of two events. One, Van Gundy was let go because I thought they needed a whole new cult- coaching culture in there. That's fair. It's fair. And I think once C.J. McCollum got there, I think that that changed the dynamics of what they did in-house as well. So um, let's see what CJ is able to do. And I hate to put it all on him, but that's why you. That's why they got him. Yeah, Yeah, right, right. And you see that that seems to be the trend right now happening with the NBA and teams going from one level, stepping up to that next or elite level. We saw with Chris Paul going to uh, Phoenix. We saw with DeMar DeRozan going to Chicago. You know, we saw with Drew Holiday going to Milwaukee. We saw with Jimmy Butler going to Miami. You take these vets and put them in young, you know, with, with a bunch of young players, they change the entire mentality and dynamic of those teams. Yep. CJ McCollum is no different than the people I just mentioned and the situations I just mentioned. But now we have to give him an offseason to see what he's able to do. So I think the whole Zion Williams conversation is, you know, really rooted in if CJ is able to do the same thing with Zion that Jimmy was able to do in Miami, Chris was able to do in Phoenix, you know, Jamal was able to do in Chicago, but he needs an off-season to do that. Yeah. Because they all had off-seasons to change that entire culture. Yeah. So let's right. see what happens. And, and yeah. I would, I mean, if those three were able to play together in, in New Orleans, Brandon Ingram and McCollum, and if Zion yeah. could be the guy that was drafted to be the guy that he is, that would be a formidable three. Like, Dude, with a coach and they got a nice roster. Yeah, with a coach really that believes do. in them, that they that seem to be believing in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I know that's exactly. What you're saying. Their stability yeah. there with Willie Green, and it seems like they really believe and trust him. So yeah, yeah you have to add that to the mix too. So it's that they it just need, special. like you said, with CJ, they just need him to be able to pull Zion back and be like, "Look, we need you. If you could be part of this, you know, if you can get healthy, blah blah blah, all that stuff." 
like that team would be pretty formidable and they got a nice young roster with those three but that's a big if it's you know what to me it's not really a big if it's it's a matter of cj saying you know over the course of the summer let's go you know let's go let's get every you know everything i do you do i move you move let's go and 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 i i think zion seems to be i don't know a person like that but he seems to be an astute basketball player that if given a situation where there's some level of respect that he will listen and i think cj mccullum not only like just being who he has been in the past but who and what he's shown himself to be since he's gotten to New Orleans, that maybe somebody that Zion respected from afar, but now he's watched it up close and he respects it up close. So therefore, he's going to listen to him. Now that depends, and I don't know what CJ's agent is, t- I mean, um, uh, Zion's agent is telling him. Because if his agent is telling him, I'm going to get you to New York, so damn all this, then then that's what's gonna happen. Gonna have I'm cool. I would love that. <laughs> all right, last yeah, question. Yeah, I know you. I know you got to run. No, I'm good. Gut, okay, gut check question. It's the playoffs. There's no LeBron. Does LeBron get to another NBA Finals at this point in his career? I think so. I think at this point, really? anything LeBron does is important to his career. He, even even winning the scoring title, which he kind of poo pooed on, you know, because. LeBron's career is is basically, I don't want to say reduced, um, has elevated itself to a two-person conversation. That's he and Mike. That's it. So th- th- there is no conversation about LeBron James's career outside of Michael Jordan, really. So he's gotten to the place place where that's it. He's 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 in a space that I don't think any other basketball player is at. Not Kareem, not Wilt, not Bill Russell, not anybody else, not Kobe, anybody else that you might want to consider great. They're in a conversation amongst themselves, but no one is in a two-man conversation with Michael outside of LeBron. So to me, with that being said, and LeBron's career not over, and him not clearly overtaking Mike in that GOAT conversation, then everything he does in his career matters because it enhances his arguability in that two-man conversation. So when, you know, I'm not getting into the depths of analytics, but on the surface of data and and statistics, an extra scoring title going against Michael Jordan helps. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't know how many has LeBron won, what, one or two scoring titles? One, I think. I think yeah, so. Okay, he's won one. Mike has won six. Now, Mike has a defensive player award that LeBron doesn't have. You know, you need something to balance that, right? Now, LeBron did win assist title, something Michael doesn't have. All right. Now, not saying the assist title, you know, gives you the same balance as a defensive player of the year award. Right. But, but something. that title helps in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Having two scoring titles as opposed to one, going against someone that has six, it helps. Having five rings instead of four rings against a guy who has six rings helps. You know what I'm saying? So everything he can do in his career, really at this point in this two-man conversation that is his career, helps in that two-man argument. And I'll say this. And that's why I love having LeBron and Michael Jordan conversations with about you know between us. Yeah, yeah. That that did not hear him. And when the other part I'm making about the two man conversation, it really is a two man conversation, because the end of the conversation is between those two. And the only conversation I think we should be having us, as people that are not named LeBron James or Michael Jeffrey Jordan, are the conversation that they have when they're in that room alone talking amongst themselves about who the GOAT is. Now, my thing is this. If LeBron right now comes to the table and comes in that room with Michael Jordan 
What does he have to put on the table that's going to win that argument with Mike about best player? Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. Does he have? I don't think there's anything. All-time scoring list. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Does he? Nothing. Does he have enough? I mean, second all-time in points. So, you know, that's a big thing. Obviously, that he would be able to hold over him. There's a lot of records that. Well, you know what? The argument you made this, John. Michael Jordan skipped seasons to play baseball. No, I'm not. I'm not picking a side. No, I'm no. But I'm just saying, I'm playing the other side of that, right? Michael Jordan plays those seasons. It's a different conversation all of a sudden already. Oh, of course. Just because Michael Jordan's higher on that list, he misses those seasons. But he didn't play those seasons. Right. No, no. I'm just. I'm just saying. It's not. My thing is that this. It goes back to my point. The more things LeBron has to work with, the better he holds himself in that conversation. That's what I'm saying. Everything that happens in his career helps. In that concept. So if he got another ring, it helps. Because it's not just the five rings. Like, man, I want a ring at 39. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? That, yeah, like, I know what you mean. Everything helps him in this conversation yep. that he's having with Mike. He'll and need trust, it. He'll definitely need it. He'll need it. He, that's he's he'll definitely behind. need everything. Right. And, and I Michael think Jordan never career. lost the finals. And right. LeBron lost a lot of finals. I think it helps in his career because Mike is going to come with – we talk about, you know – the most arrogant, petty athlete in the history of the world. Mike's not going <laughs> to let LeBron walk out that room. One, he's not going to let him walk out the room to win, but he's not even going to let LeBron walk out the room feeling confident or good about himself. No. Right. You know, Michael's going to make him try to feel like shit. Like, Michael's going to try to make him feel like, why do you even come in here? That's Michael's job. That's what, Michael, say, does. That's what Michael does. Right. So, my thing about LeBron's career, everything you could get, man, every, you know, Every clip you could come to the table with, man, bring it with you in that conversation. You need all the ammunition you can get for your career to have that one-on-one conversation with Michael Jordan. I think the only way he can legitimately – I think the only way he legitimately can catch him is if he wins two more. I think he's got to tie him in rings. I I don't think he can be under him with the losses that he has. He doesn't have as many finals MVPs. I think he has to at least get to six in order to be able to catch him. That's what I think. I, I don't know. It's just me. I mean, I, I saw Mike play. I saw LeBron play. They're both great players. I can never say anything bad about either one. You know, they both have that killer instinct. But to me, you know, game was on the line. I want to give it to Mike before I give it to LeBron. Of course. But, but it, you're not you're not talking about much much below. It's like, you know. If you yeah. have, it's all you're saying. It's apples and oranges. Right. It's all you're saying. Would you rather give one of us the yeah. ball or Michael Jordan? It's <laughs> which it. It's two of the greatest basketball players, period, in the story, no matter what. Yeah. It's just a matter of who you think is better. It's not right. if, one if of us. If we were having a fantasy out. draft throughout, you know, from the 80s till now, and, you know, I picked number two when I got stuck with whoever did get picked, You're not I would not be complaining. I'm starting my team, you know, a rock solid either, Le- either LeBron or MJ, you're happy either way, yeah. right? You know, right, you but, my, but here's my thing, is that if you boil this argument down to those two, that's the way I think we should think. Like, regardless of how we feel on our own thing, if you put those two in a room, who do you think is going to come out the winner? And it's not about the argument skills, debating skills, literally. Just based on those two being in the room, who's going to come out there and be like, okay, yeah, you're right? Um, I don't think either. either You'll never have an answer. You don't think so? I think they're both uh, have enough ego to where they wouldn't. I was going to say. They, they got both, enough ego to yeah. go around forever. <laughs> They're both alphas. They're not backing down. Nobody's taking, you know, nobody's going to say, you're better than I am. It's not happening. In that, in that's, that room. JB, that's like trying to tell John that Dan Marino is not the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> He's just, he'll fight you to the end of the, to the end of the earth. Yes. Sir. To tell you you're wrong. I, I look, I know, I know both of those dudes and I think LeBron is too nice. Really? really? Yeah. I mean, LeBron he's believes wrong. in himself and he, he has a, he has a, he has a, he has a very extremely healthy and necessary arrogance that he's earned. Right. But it's it's nothing like Mike. Mike is Mike Mike is not nice. Especially yeah, when it comes to him and he will drag things in the ground that almost will make you give up just to get out the room. <laughs> Wow. Like it's like you know what man if it, like if it's that important to you do I get it but he but he will but he can't beat you down to make you believe that he's right 
And I think in LeBron's yeah. situation, he would literally do that. Like LeBron, to me, LeBron has obviously he has the talent. He has he has the physical ability to go and be a killer whenever it matters in a game. But I don't think he has the mindset. I don't think he has that mentality, like the Kobe Bryant mentality, where it's just get out of the way. I'm going to kill you tonight. Like when it comes down to the when it matters, I'm going to kill you. Like I don't think LeBron has that mentality. You know what I mean? Like he has no. the ability. I just don't think he's a killer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think he's just, you know, like Kobe Bryant didn't like anybody on the court. He just was all business. That was it. When you got to the playoffs, he was all business. LeBron isn't, LeBron's not that. It's not a knock on him. He's just not that guy. And that's okay. Not, every, when, not everybody when is. Room, when, you're, when you're in the room with that guy, you need to find a way to beat that guy. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. He's exactly. too nice. It's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. I've seen yep. him pass out of big situations many times. Like, you you don't see Michael Jordan do that. I think My Mike has more of that killer instinct. Back in the day when Oakley and Mason were down low, if you look at LeBron's game, did he have handled the physical beating that Mike took? Oh, yeah. Took? Oh, yeah. Without question. Without he flops too much, though. He just flops so much. Yeah, but, but I, his, I, have more I, faith in him. I think he flops so much because of the area he happens to play in. If you put I was going to say, because he's a lap dude. Right. If you put him in the air and flopping, what well, you can't get away with it, you know. I don't think it's happening. And secondly, you know, if you put him back in the air, LeBron wouldn't have been bought up to be the. And I don't want to say this the wrong way. To be the prima donna that we made him, you know, we made right. LeBron entitled from high school. We, you know, we, we elevated him. You know, we gave him things that no other athlete ever had. Not saying he didn't earn it, but we gave it to him. So he right. came into the league. With the sense of entitlement, so he's we like, treated hey, like we you. treated him like he was going to be the next NBA. That's, but that's and, and he had humility, to, right? Right, he was, and he lived up to it, which is amazing. But my it was before we knew anything. Truly. If you give him back in the day, we don't treat LeBron the same way, right? You know what I'm saying? He's not. We don't move to McDonald's All American game from wherever it is just to his city to, you know. To make him happy. Honor. That to, doesn't happen. To take care of him, right. Right. He doesn't get a $90 million contract before he even plays a game. of That doesn't happen. Right. You know, We I don't think, anoint him before he even gets in the league the way that we did. So you take that all away and you treat him like, you know, Kareem was or even Michael was or Patrick Ewing was, you know, was they, they were the best high school basketball Mike. players. You still got to earn yours once you get to the league. Yep. Now, you give LeBron that type of treatment coming to the league? Yeah, Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley, they, no, they didn't. They feeling it because he's not looking for offensive foul charges. He's giving them. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, so the mentality is totally different. So I don't want to, like, use scenario putting him, you know, what he is now and putting him back then without understanding how things were done back then. And you have not to have context, right. The same situations that yeah. they did. Right. Yeah. That's that's the hard part when you start comparing different eras, because it's right. hard to say because he hadn't had he haven't had to play for it. I'm sure he probably could. He's got the the physical size to do it, and the guy's a winner. I what do you have the physical size? You don't have the training. If you put him back in the '80s, you don't have the train. You don't have the equipment and and all the advanced stuff that you have today. You don't have that in the '80s. So you he might not be too. 265. Well, I think we're trying to just say, no, I'm saying, no, I'm just if, saying, if you like, if, if you're going to put him back there, you have to have all of, you have to make sure you touch all the things because he doesn't have the equipment he has today. Like he doesn't have all the access to all the things he has today. You don't have that in the eighties. So it's a different game. It was a different scoop. You know, in the eighties, it's a different game. Like you could beat each other up back then today. You can't touch anybody. So it's a different game. John, so today, these are yeah, just, you have to play in. I don't want to just play somebody there without having right, to go right, exactly. everybody else is going through. Right, that's all. Yeah. I think right. if we're going to play that game, I think which is a fair game to play. It's interesting to play that game. But if yeah. you're going to do that, we have to allow them to go through at least the same things that everybody went through and not just take who they are now and put them back there. Yeah, exactly. Just like, hey, fair look, fair. all right, we're going to put you with your physical ability, what you could do right now. We're going to take that, but we're also going to apply the same rules back then. But you have the ability to adjust to those rules because you came through the same way. But we'll give you the same abilities, you know? Yeah. That's a fun game to play. <laughs> it, is. it is a fun game to play. I love it. So, what do the Lakers have to do to to compete again? Because, I mean, Anthony Davis, who's a 
phenomenal talent. Can't stay healthy year after year, and he gets the. I mean, hold on, JB, J- Anthony Davis. Do you mean Glass Joe? Joe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's a shame because he's probably one of the most talented guys in the he's NBA. Incredible, but you know, I would put his talent against anybody in the league. Without question, can't stay healthy. But as, you know as what? I would rather have a glass door at this point because it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, right, but you, you know break what? it just as easily. Yeah, but see, I can't I can't just put it on him because I personally think being from Chicago, that that seems to be a current Chicago thing. Because if you look at Derrick Rose, if you look at Anthony Davis, if you look at Jabari Parker, if you look at Jaleel Okafor, all from Chicago and all yep. have history of not being able to stay healthy. So I don't know what's going on here in Chicago. I mean, it seems to be changing because, you know, Jalen Brunson seems to be healthy. You know, uh, Candace Parker came from a little before the ARC to be healthy. THT seems to be healthy. You know, Patrick Beverly seems to be healthy. You know, I go through a lot of players, you know, that are in the league. You know, Robert Covington seems to be healthy. You know, Max Strauss. I go through a lot of players that are from Chicago. But it's these elite players. The players that came out of high school – all four of them that were number one players in the country in high school coming straight out of Chicago, out of the same league, the public league, all of them have had injury issues throughout their career that have basically, like, stopped their careers from going where they were supposed to be going. All of them talented beyond belief. You know, so I just can't – I hear what you're saying, call them Glass Joe, which, which is fine. It's cute. But – I just can't put it on him. If you're going to do that, you need to spread it across the board to a, a small generation, a small sample size of cats who come from this era because he's not the only one. I mean, Wade, Wade is one of the few Chicago people that was able uh, – if you're mentioning Chicago people, Wade, Dwayne Wade was one of the few people that was able, able yeah, to stay healthy. Yeah, but he was from the South Suburbs. He wasn't from the city. I don't know much about Chicago. I'm not from I there. I know, I know, but I'm, just I'm, 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 I'm going general. I'm, 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 I'm not checking. I'm just saying he he's not <laughs> he doesn't fall into that system, and he was never okay. considered a number one player coming out of the city. You know, he he was barely not too many people really knew of him. Yep, that's how he Maybe. landed at Marquette. I'm yep. talking about these elite players that each one of them, Derrick Rose, Anthony Davis, Jaleel Okafor, and uh, Jabari uh, uh, Parker, Parker, were yep. all number one players in the country in high school. That's a different thing. They're elite. I don't know, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I have no idea what it was. I have no idea, but there's there's something there. And I'm just using them to say that I don't want you all to just single Anthony out because I could throw a couple of more that's go through the exact same situation, you know, exact same circumstance, coming from the exact same place. So it's really something going on here in Chicago. With top players okay. coming out of Chicago Public League that have a problem with keeping their bodies together. What that is, I don't know, but it's not just Anthony Davis. But but Anthony Davis is one of the few people that you mentioned that actually is on a trajectory to go to the Hall of Fame. Like he has that kind of you and know Derrick what I mean? Rose like wasn't? He, huh? And Derrick Rose wasn't? Derrick no, Rose that was amazing. MVP what Derrick Rose got MVP. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I mean, I'm a Heat fan. I remember the Derrick Rose you know, rivalry we had with him before the injury. Like I remember the Derrick Rose, but the Okafor and guys like that, they didn't have the career that Anthony Davis has had. Anthony Davis is on that trajectory. You know what I'm saying? Of being an all-time great if he can stay healthy. That's how good this guy is. But it's a shame to see him injured because we is a generational type talent with what Anthony Davis is. And we all want to see him stay healthy as basketball fans because we want to see what he can be. You know what I mean? We see Giannis, yeah. like you, we see Giannis and he's staying healthy and how great he is. For we now, want to yeah. see the same for AD. That's yeah. all. And my thing is that there, the history says that it may not happen because he's following Derrick Rose. If you want to yep. throw Jalil Okafor and Jabari Parker out of the conversation, that's fine. But yeah. let's just use Derrick Rose. Uh, Youngest MVP in NBA history. Rookie of the year. He has accolades outside of getting that ring that Anthony Davis never got. Yep. And he's never been healthy. No, unfortunately. Never. Not. I mean that that well, was some of the here. most that was some of the most electric basketball when I saw Derrick Rose in MVP form that I've ever seen in my life in the right. NBA. Like so that's the same projection we're talking about talent wise with Anthony Davis, just taller. So yep. I hate to say it. If that's your example, and looking at Anthony's history throughout his entire career, 
it looks very similar, doesn't it? Unfortunately, yeah. Well, yeah, right. Without a doubt. Yeah. It's so we got time for one more question before we got to wrap up. You guys have a good question? I'll leave it to you too. JB, wow. <laughs> you you put uh, me on the spot. I got you guys up so, All right, real simple scoop. Who's going to be the NBA Finals and why? I, I know you said you're looking for you know what what to expect from all these teams, but yeah, right now you're um, on the spot. I'm looking at. I'm saying right now Phoenix, and I'm sticking with Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, no Golden State with the way they look and with pool you know and what? all them I, cats. I, I I do want to say that I just think that I you know my heart wants Golden State to win, um, and I want to jump on the bandwagon by looking at how they play, you know, in the regular. I mean, in the beginning of the season, how they're playing now, and think that that's not gonna like it. I think they are that good. I just really think that Phoenix, the way they played all season long, they've been on a mission. And their mission is, in my mind, to not just get back to the finals, but get back to the finals and play Milwaukee again to prove to Milwaukee that y'all didn't win that last year. We lost it. They're, they're trying to take away the credit from even. And the example I use for that, if we go back to 2014, the San Antonio Spurs, after they lost to Cleveland on that, uh, not Cleveland, uh, to Miami. Thank you. On that Ray Allen shot. <laughs> in game six, and they wound up losing game seven, right? Yes, sir. You remember what happened the next year? I, I, let's not go over that. that and all we have oh, John wants to talk about the good stuff. They, 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 they the good if you don't the bad. <laughs> all I'm saying is that they played that entire season like they wanted Michigan to get back to the finals. They hurt us bad, yes. And when they exactly. got there, that was one of the most that, – that was one of the most – I hate to say it, but if, if you like basketball, play beautifully. That was some of the most beautiful basketball you're ever going to see played. And they came back, like we say in the hood, like they were avenging their brother's death. And what I've seen in Phoenix is very, very similar. It's reminding me of that all season long. Like they're coming back for one thing, like they're on a mission. Now, one thing. As, right. as good as Golden State is, I don't know if they're in position in the West to stop that. You, I, 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 I think it's, it's going to be mentally on something that is not going to let anything stop that from happening outside of them not playing Milwaukee in right. the finals. It's going to be a hell of a Western Conference if, I mean, I imagine it's those two. I imagine it's Golden State and Phoenix because, I mean, to me, Phoenix is just going to cakewalk New Orleans, cakewalk whoever wins this Utah series. It doesn't really matter. Neither of those teams have anything for Phoenix. And then, I mean, if, if Memphis can get their stuff together, that'll be a really good series between them and Golden State. I don't think the T-Wolves would have enough for Golden State. Nope. Um, you know, so... I think we have to worry about Phoenix, though. Is Chris Paul going to stay healthy? We talk that's about that's what I was going to say. Every, that's year. What, he, every, every year. Every year we got to worry about Every that. year, right. Exactly. Every year. Every year something happens with that dude. So yeah. It's pretty much a matter of when, not if, yes. he'll get hurt. Yes, exactly. At this rate. Exactly. Exactly, but yeah, and I, and I had and believe it or not, I still have the Nets. Um, really, I didn't like what I saw in the last game. Um, you think they're deep enough to? I mean, Boston's yeah. deep, Miami's deep. Like these are some deep teams. So two it's teams, in John, the East, two not teams. In everything the, revolves around you. No, but there's only two. Heat. There's only two teams in the Eastern Conference that are top ten in defense and offense: Miami and Boston. That's it. Nobody. Of course, else. it comes back to Miami. No, that's a stat. That's uh, a real stat. I know. No, no, it's no. Is that you don't get to play a team like the Heat over the course? I mean, uh, like the uh, Nets over the course of eighty-two games. You build that defensive rating about teams that you play. When you get into a seven-game series, and you have players like Kyrie and like Kevin. I, I that what you're doing, what you're doing defensively has to change because your whole philosophy of what you played all those other teams has to change. You make have to make adjustments for them because there's no other team in the league that over the course of seven games you have to defensively scheme as you do the Nets. You know, and I, I think offensively, well, once again with Seth Curry there, you know, as another scorer on that team with Patty Mills there, with as another scorer on the team, they have a chance offensively to beat anybody. And I know defenses, they say wins championships and all this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, I have yet to see a team who scores less points win a game. So points matter. 
And true. these two literally, literally, you know, and I hear what you're saying, but they literally can score on against anybody. Anybody. And if you don't find a way to do that, I, I don't know what I, I don't I'm know just what saying, I haven't found. Yeah, I get what you're I'm saying. Just but, saying When's the last time we saw Trey Young shoot under ten percent in a in a game, let alone a playoff game? Oh, it happened on Easter Sunday where Miami held him one for twelve. Dude, are you, know, you from really the trying like, to get Trey? You know what I mean? No, I'm just saying. I know. Just I'm Trey just saying. Really I'm just saying. Are you really? We're talking like about Miami got that plans, man. And you just used Trey Young as an example of Miami stopping somebody. Plants, are you really man. putting him in the same conversation? With this I'm just team saying, stop Kevin if Durant. Miami is able to do that to a really good player like that, they're able to put that, the clamps. This is what Miami does: is they they clamp you. Like this is how they play. And I they want to apologize in advance for this comment. And they play yeah. team basketball. That's why I have them in the in the finals. You're doing it against. What has Trey Young actually done but have one good playoff run? You're talking about a guy who has multiple. The guy was the guy led the league. Can we two seconds real quick? This year, Scoop, he led this the league in scoring. You. John, you nobody had more points than Trey Young this year. Number one in points. No, we're talking about the. Okay, I'm gonna get Allen Iverson. We're talking about the playoffs, dude. Not the regular season. We're talking about the playoffs. The guy was in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. That's all I'll say. Okay, I'm so tell me what tell tell me what Kevin Durant has done in the playoffs recently. That's that's the same thing that uh, Trey Young has done that that you know Miami does not have to worry about defensively. I'm not worried about Miami's defense. We can play anybody and clamp them down. That's what Miami does. Wow. Play team basketball and defense. You can sleep on us all you want, Scoop. It's all right. You can come back. You can come back in you know in a week, in two weeks, whenever Miami is stomping the Nets or stomping the Sixers or whoever. (laughs) You can come back. And I'll say I told you so. That's With the solo layout, because I'm just so want. disgusted. This is what with I him. want. This little scoop John rivalry. Scoop, look, I'm gonna do look, a favor. Look. I'm gonna mute him. Look, there's no rivalry here. I, I haven't. I haven't even said that I don't disagree that Miami can't do something. I'm just basing it on you using Trey Young as a sample. In a next conversation, of what Miami has to deal with with Kevin Durant. That's all. We're- we're still working with him, Scoop. You gotta forgive us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I feel bad I for you, man. I'm gonna send you, you, you to a case of something. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, no, no, John, not you. <laughs> no, I he know. means the two of us. I just right. saying thank you. I right. No, 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 no. I take that as a compliment. <laughs> That's another notch on my belt. I, I take those as compliments. So oh, how man. can people uh find you, Scoop? I'm uh my 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 um what you call it? My Twitter is Scoop OG3 and uh my Instagram is a uh, strong island media shy. I'm I'm very easy or you know ESPN.com. I'm I really simple, but I stay under the radar. I try, I try not to have people look for me or find me. I'm <laughs> I you know I, I'm 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 about the work, man. I try to like do my thing. This what, what is the old 80 saying bad boys move in silence. I'm trying to I try to stay true to that. Well, we definitely appreciate you taking the time. No, that's love. I appreciate being on. We appreciate it. I, I gotta come back. I gotta come back when John is correct and you know <laughs> Miami has shut Kevin Durant yeah. down. And and a lot of our listeners, like a lot of people commenting are just uh praising you and telling us about how they they read your stuff growing up, they watched you, you know, things like that. So we have a lot of listeners, a lot of people comment that really appreciate uh, the work that you've put in throughout the course of your career. So I just wanted to make sure I uh, throw that out there and you know now, that. Tell, That's the nicest tell, thing John said all night. Thanks for right. making me feel old too. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're always all welcome right. back. But, yep. you know, we're going to continue the Chicago theme 11 o'clock. We got Confidential coming on, first episode. So you doing club socks? What's up? Yeah, we don't like the socks over here. At least not me. I'm, I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> wow. All right, now, now I got to come back on the show for that one. All right, now I'll come back just for that. You gonna have a not, not, not what I was gonna send y'all. Y'all just missed out on. Nice all right, what did I do? I didn't it's do it. Done. It's done. You got we'll make up for it. I, I'm throwing you in there too. It's done. I do an Orioles show Monday. If you're interested, yeah, no, you got a club blue, man. I can't see the back. I can't see the front of your head. It may have a C on it, man. See, I'm not. You're done. Wow, Jake, I took you down. Yeah, Jake. Yeah, you got you got you yeah, you got that color blue. 
wearing a Giants hat. You got a big W's flag somewhere in there. Yeah, I know you got it. You for got what it's worth, for what it's worth, I like the White Sox more than the Cubs. Oh, uh, hey, 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 hey! Wow. Don't start now, John. Don't start now. Too late. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> throwing it out there. <laughs> I appreciate it. This was great. I mean, it was an honor. It was a pleasure. No problem. Hey, we talk soon. Right. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. All right. Take Have care. A great day. Yep. All right. Well, I think that also is we're over time for us. So, uh, everybody, we appreciate you tuning in. We will check you out. Uh, rather, too, we'll see you next time. Everybody, have a good one. I know we're not doing our normal intro, but or outro, because we're out of time. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there. Thank you.